Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Now this church there in Phoenicia, uh, up in Syria, was actually not planted by Paul. Go to Acts 11. But it was a result of Paul's life. I want you to see something ironic. Acts 11:19, And this must have been an interesting time of fellowship. It says, So then those who were scattered, Acts 11:19, because of the persecution that arose in connection with Stephen. Who was at the heart of that persecution? Paul, when he was Saul. He was the one standing there when they killed Stephen. And a persecution started and all these people started to disperse because of the persecution, Acts 11, 19. So many made their way, notice, to Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except Jews alone. In a weird, ironic way, Paul was responsible for the Christians in Phoenicia that he just met, and he may have never met them up until this point. And they were there because of a persecution that he started years before that. Can you imagine that conversation? You know, we're here, but I'll tell you what. Even though in your former life you kind of drove us here, Paul, we're so grateful. Let, Let me tell you what God's done in the city because of this. And so they had a week of fellowship, Acts 21. It's so neat sometimes to look back with friends that you knew in a former life in your BC days And then see what God's done in both of your lives as a result of him coming into your life. It's a neat time to reflect. And so here's what happens now. He's with these these disciples, a week of fellowship, wonderful time. And notice they kept telling Paul through the Spirit not to set foot in Jerusalem. They said, Paul, we've, we've grown to love you. And the Spirit, apparently through some prophetic Uh, gifts or a word of knowledge was saying, Paul's going to suffer in Jerusalem. I don't think, and I'll show you why in a moment, that the Spirit was showing them that Paul shouldn't go, because that would be a contradiction of what Paul already had been shown by the Spirit. But I think their conclusion was, don't go to Jerusalem because you're going to suffer there. And oftentimes, when suffering is involved, we often say, Well, how can the will of God be involved? Uh, Pastor Saeed Abedini wrote a recent letter from a hospital bed. You guys know that he's the Iranian pastor from Idaho who has been in prison for over a year. They've beat him. They've given him no medical attention. And finally now he's ended up in a hospital. And he's getting some medical treatment. He wrote a letter uh, in Holy Week Encouraging Christians across the world, I'll summarize his letter. He said, it's Good Friday, we're coming to Resurrection Sunday. And he said, I want to say something to the church from my hospital bed. I see a lot of weak faith out there is basically what he said. And he said, you guys need to know, we all need to know something. We can't experience the life of the resurrection without suffering and taking up our cross. Now here's a guy that's been in prison unjustly for well over a year, how many nights do you think he wondered about God's will? How many times do you think he longed to be with his wife and little kids? 
finally getting medical treatment and then writing a letter to the church and saying to us, you know what, we can't experience the resurrection life of Jesus without experiencing his death as well. And frankly, that's hard because that's not really what we're looking for. You know, we're not all looking to necessarily die to self so we can experience the resurrection life of Jesus. But here's what these people said. They kept telling Paul, please don't go. Please don't go. Don't set foot in Jerusalem. Now, it had to be hard enough for Paul to kind of settle that that was God's will for him. But then to have other people that he loved telling him, don't go. Don't set one foot there. Now, did these people mean well? Of course. Richard Longenecker comments, he says, and others point this out, that through the Spirit means that the Spirit told them that Paul would undergo sufferings for Christ, a message that naturally gave the believers deep concern. Luke apparently condensed it. The Spirit did not tell them to inform Paul he was not to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit predicted persecution against the apostle and the people's love for Paul made them beg him not to go. Close quote. A a word to some of us who are struggling with the will of God, which I think can be complicated. And a word to some of you who struggle with enabling other people. Sometimes what happens is we have a loved one that's been going south in their life. And we know that they're doing everything the wrong way. And we know that a pattern has developed in their life. They come to us for quick fixes. Money, food, temporary shelter, and then they run back right out to their sin. In other words, they don't have any intention of changing. They just use us for what they can get out of us so that they can get rev back up to go sin some more. And we come in on our white stallion. Here I am to save the day. And we ride in with great intentions. We're very emotional. We love them. So we want to take, oh, I'm glad. Let me take care of you. Okay, everything's okay. And then they go back and they do it again. And in some ways, we can inhibit them finally deciding to look up to God because we're getting in the way. And I know it's so difficult because it's so emotional. We want to rescue them. But sometimes if a person's in that pattern, one of the worst things that you can do is step in because you elongate the pattern for them to finally come to the end of themselves and be broken enough to trust in God and say, I've got to do it God's way. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think the people, they meant well. We want to save you from this, Paul. But Paul was saying, no, this is what God has called me to do. I'm going to appear before kings. I'm going to speak to the people of Jerusalem. I am going to testify before Agrippa and Festus. And I hope I get to the emperor himself. I'm going to go to the religious elite in Jerusalem. And I am going to preach the gospel. And I'm going to finish my course, even if it means my life. And so... I think we can see the pull. Why would God be sending Paul in this situation like that? Surely that can't be the Lord. But then remember all the history I've given you of the Bible. God's ways. Think of the night before Jesus was going to go to the cross. Think of all the emotion. Lord, where are you going? Remember when Peter took Jesus aside and Jesus began on his last trek to Jerusalem to say, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be 
put into the hands of Gentiles. They're going to mock me, spit at me, scourge me, and crucify me. And on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. And Peter took the Lord aside, rebuked him, and said, this will never happen to you. No! And Jesus said, you remember? Get behind me, Satan. You're not concerned about God's interest. You're concerned about man's interest. Now, just before that, Peter had gotten that supernatural revelation. Who do you say that I am? Oh, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, oh, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you about my Father who's in heaven, and I say to you that you are rock. I'm the rock. Yeah. You hear my new name, boys? I'm the rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And then a couple sentences later, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine how that must have devastated Peter? From the heights of revelation from the Father to the devil using you as a mouthpiece to stop Jesus from going to the cross? How many times when Jesus was on the cross did passers-by say, hey, if you're the Christ, just come down from the cross and we'll believe in you. Even the thieves on both sides were saying, yeah, save us and save yourself and we'll believe you're the Christ. This was the devil's lie. Don't go to the cross. But if he doesn't go to the cross, then there's no resurrection. There's no empty tomb. Your sins are not paid for. Death prevails and we're done. And we oftentimes look at things on a horizontal level and say, but, but wait a minute, there's, there's some struggle and suffering in here. Yes, it's true, but God looks at the big picture. I say this with fear and trembling in my soul because I know how we all feel about struggling with these issues, but 1 Peter 4 tells us that some people suffer according to the will of God. It's just God's will. And when Jesus was on the cross, he kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. You might be asking the question, I think is legitimate. How can I be sure? How can I trust and, and say this, this statement of faith that you're talking about? Because the question is, is the one that you're saying it to worthy of your trust? When you say, let the will of the Lord be done, are you in good hands? Have you not placed your whole faith in him anyway? Your whole future? So this is the essence of it. And so when it came about that our days, verse 5, were, there were ended, we departed and started on our journey. While they all, with wives and children, now the whole church in that area, escorted us uh, until we were out of the city. Another tearful goodbye. And after kneeling down on the beach and praying, we said farewell to one another. Very moving moments in the life of Paul with different groups of people. Verse 6. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home again. And when we had finished or continued the voyage from Tyre, now they're just above Israel, we arrived at Ptolemais. And after greeting the brethren, we stayed with them for a day. There was a church there as well. They had a little fellowship. And on the next day, verse 8, we departed and came to Caesarea, a beautiful area there on the Mediterranean coast, about 40 miles south of Ptolemais. And entering the house of Philip the Evangelist, by the way, this is the only person who's called an evangelist in the Bible. Uh, 
Timothy is told to do the work of an evangelist, but Philip was an evangelist. And do you remember a little bit of his career? In Acts 8, he preached to Samaria, and then he led the Ethiopian eunuch to faith in Jesus Christ. You remember that? Baptized him, and when the eunuch came up out of the water, Philip was snatched away, and he appeared on, in the area of Caesarea. And hey, it's on the coast, why not? So he set up shop there, and it's been 27 years since those events happened. His kids have grown up, and Philip was one of the seven, as the verse will point out to us, verse eight, was one of the seven, one of those early quote-unquote deacons who were chosen, and at the top of the list was Philip and a man named Stephen, who was probably his good buddy, and Stephen died because of the man who's about to visit Philip's house. And one thing that we struggle with sometimes with the will of God is forgiveness. And a lot of time had gone by, but Philip still knew that this was the man in his old life that got his friend killed, his brother. And imagine you being Paul, pausing at the door for a second. Okay. I don't know if they've seen each other in the meantime, but what's amazing about these two guys is now they're both preachers of the gospel, and I'm sure they had a lot to share. Now this man, that's Philip, verse 9, had four virgin daughters who were prophetesses. They uh, had not been married and they had this gift of prophecy. And as we were staying there for some days, a certain prophet named Agabus, we saw him in Acts eleven twenty-eight, came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands, and said, this is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Can you imagine having a wonderful lunch with Philip? There you are, you take a bite of your sandwich, some wild-eyed prophet walks in. Hey, can I have your belt for a second? All right. Ties his hands up and says, the wearer of this belt in this way will be bound at Jerusalem. Thus says the Holy Spirit. Just a side note, if you're struggling with this whole, is the Holy Spirit contradicting himself? If the Holy Spirit said that Paul is going to Jerusalem to suffer, was it going to happen? Yeah, that, that was God's plan. That's why the prophet Agabus, or uh, what's his name again? Uh, yeah, anyway. Easy for me to say. Agabus, this is, this is why he comes. He, he's predicting it. He's saying, Paul, you are going to suffer. And what's interesting was when Paul goes to Jerusalem, the Jews think that he brought a Gentile in the temple. They start pounding Paul. And you know how he's delivered into the hands of the Gentiles? They rescue Paul from being killed. The Romans end up carrying Paul up the steps. And Paul says, stop, wait a minute. He's bleeding, bloodied. He's got a black guy. And they were going to kill him. And he says, I want to speak to the people. And he uses it as a preaching opportunity. And he ends up uh, getting protection, actually, from the Roman army. Paul, you're going. Like prophets of old who acted out prophecies, Isaiah Three years went, went about. Some believe he was literally naked for three years, acting out prophecy. You can look at Isaiah chapter 20. Very, the prophets of old sometimes did very picturesque things, ripping up robes into ten pieces uh, to show the divided kingdom, that it was going to be north and south, many things like this. And when we, and this includes our author Luke, heard this, 
we as well as the local residents began begging him not to go up to Jerusalem. Can you imagine being Paul sitting there and not only the people now, but Luke and your traveling partners And these are the guys that are going to go to Jerusalem with you because they're bringing that gift for the poor saints in Jerusalem. They're all begging you, please, Paul, don't, please, please, don't, over, and please don't go. Can you imagine being Paul? Everybody's telling you not to do this. Don't go. And Paul responds in a way that I think we all understand. Paul answered and said, what are you doing Weeping and breaking my heart. The verb for breaking my heart is sun thripto. It was often used of washing clothes and referred to pounding them with stones in order to whiten the garment. Paul said, you're pounding my heart. I must go. This is what God has planned for me. I, Howard Marshall, says, It is hard for a man to make a sacrifice which is going to be unpleasant for himself. It is even harder when the people he loves are going to be hurt by his action and plead with him to act differently. Oswald Chambers says, Faith must be tested because it can only become your intimate possession through conflict. You see, this is the test. Paul's coming to the end of the journey. This is a farewell tour. And he says, you know what? I've got to go. I'm ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've ever read any church history, you know 11 of the 12 apostles all died a martyr's death. The bulk of them were crucified, just like Jesus There's a story of Moses Cal. He was a church leader in Vietnam, underground church. He got thrown in prison. He'd been thrown in jail numerous times. The conditions of the jail were horrible. They would not even feed you. So Moses would eat the mice that ran across the floor of his jail cell. Moses said he would get down and frustrated when he would get down and frustrated across the one window of the prison God would flash the pictures of people who were praying for Moses. Moses was kicked out of the country, got released from prison, kicked out of Vietnam. He was told he he could never return again or he would be killed. He told a local church here in Southern California that he believes he may be called to die for Jesus Christ as his wife stood by his side, visibly stressed, but supporting him. Moses was in a Walmart just here in our area one day, and he saw a woman that looked extremely familiar. He approached her and asked if she ever prayed for missionaries in Vietnam. She said, as a matter of fact, she prays for a man named Moses Cal, but she's never met him before. He said, ma'am, I am Moses Cal. And they broke down in the middle of the Walmart and began to weep together. God is still in the miracle business. He knows where his people are. He knows what we're going through. And when you're praying for somebody that may be imprisoned or going with some tough sledding, don't forget that your prayers make a difference. And that God hears and does do miracles. 
And so after this, when Paul said these words, since he would not be persuaded, we, Luke included, fell silent, remarking, the will of the Lord be done. If you have an NIV, it says, the Lord's will be done. If you have an ESV, it says, let the will of the Lord be done. Don't you get from their conclusion that they kind of knew they were already fighting God's will? I mean, all along, this was what Paul was doing. He was trekking on that last journey to Jerusalem. And I think everybody pretty much knew it. Even those closest to him knew it. And then finally, they gave up. And this is one of the great statements of faith in your Bible. If you can wrap your arms around it and put it into practice, you make the decision, Lord. You decide. Let the will of the Lord be done. If more of us were uh, navigating our lives in that way, we'd be in a lot less trouble. Amen? And so the final verses. After these days, we got ready and started on our way to go up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea also came with us, taking uh, us to Nason of Cyprus. He was probably a founding member of the Jerusalem church, a disciple of long standing with whom we were to lodge. I want to leave you with um, a couple of thoughts. This, some writers have called this Paul's Gethsemane. Paul wrestling with the prospects of going to Jerusalem and knowing that it, it might be his end. And it parallels Jesus' Gethsemane. Three times in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, let this cup pass from me. But then he ended each time in prayer with saying, Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And I pray that you and I can have that same kind of faith and postures, have those expressions of faith. Bow your hearts with me. Father, as we come to the end of Paul's third missionary journey, we see so many lessons in faith, so many practical lessons about the will of God, the ways of God. Uh, Paul's life was filled with turmoil, but it was filled with joy. Because what he accomplished never would have been accomplished had he not faced his trials with courage. All the churches that he planted, all the souls that got saved, everything that ripples out through time that was done by Paul, by your uh, spirit and for your glory, wouldn't have happened unless the man decided, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. So Lord, as we come before you, we're getting ready to take communion now. We just want to pray you'd prepare our hearts to hear from you at your table. Give us ears to hear what you would say to us. Give us wisdom. You say if we lack it, we can ask of you. Give us insight, fresh vision, whatever you want to say to us, Lord. Give us ears to hear. Just keep your heart and head bowed. If you don't know Christ as your Savior and Lord, trust in him today. He'll give you a life worth living. He'll give you something living to live for that will go well beyond this temporal existence. Trust in him. Say, Lord, I believe you died on the cross for me. Say it right now if it's you. I believe you rose from the dead. Be my Savior. Be my Lord. Maybe you've been a wayward Christian. Maybe you've been like Jonah, running from God. And God's got your attention. Maybe there's some storms in your life. Come back to Jesus.
Say, Lord, I don't want to run away from you. I, I want to do your will. I want to surrender to that, Lord. Help people who are making those decisions today. And I pray you'd strengthen with resolve the wonderful saints who are pressing forward through ups and downs on their way to a kingdom where there will be no more tears, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more grief. Death will die one day. You've already dealt with that, Lord. So give us hope as we look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Let me ask you, as you think about your life, what's the will of God for your life right now? Do you know what it is? Are you following it? The Apostle Paul had a clear uh, direction. He knew what he was called to do, and he wasn't going to let anything stop him. Do you? Are you off the track right now? Has something hindered or stumbled you? Have you scraped your knee? You can get back up by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can get back in the game, and you can be used by God. He can change your heart. He can even deal with your circumstances. He can see you through the fire. He'll enter into the fire with you. And so don't give up. This is Pastor Michael Lance, and you're listening to Living Truth Radio. Living Truth Radio is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. And these messages that you hear are simply an extension, or they are the actual pulpit ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We're located in the city of Corona, on the north, in the north part of Corona, in a brand new facility, beautiful church building. We meet at 9 and 11.15 on Sunday mornings, and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Those are the main services, but there's a ton of other things going on. There's youth groups, there's young adult groups, there's men's and women's Bible studies, there's children's ministry, missions ministry, radio ministry, ton of stuff going on. Too many things for me to mention right now. But you can find out all that information and directions at Living Truth radio.org you can connect to our church website from the radio site and find out everything you'd like to know about living truth christian fellowship the church is located uh, right near lincoln avenue and river road just a little bit east of lincoln on river road and the address is 1009 arsenal way corona california 92880 one more time living truth 1009 arsenal way Corona, California, 92880. Again, the website is livingtruthradio.org, livingtruthradio.org. Reach out to us. We we could really use your support. We'd be blessed if you can help partner with us in furthering the ministry and helping us walk through many open doors that we have right now. Uh, Additional radio stations and time slots are available to us. If you can partner with us, we'd appreciate it. You can give to this ministry at our website, go to livingtruthradio.org, go to the church site, and you can go to the place where you can give to this ministry. We appreciate it. God bless you, and we'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio.